Hello and welcome back to Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview. This will be Lesson 5A. I say 5A because I'll be dividing this one up into two lessons, 5A and 5B. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. Old Testament Overview, Lesson 5A, Point 1. Last lesson, I completed an analysis of Genesis 3, verses 1 through 9, and now we need to move quickly through the creation and follow man on our way to the Great Flood. Point 2. I want to review some of that learned last lesson and then resume with new material and a study of Genesis 3.10. Point three, on the sixth day, God said, let us make man in our own image. So he created the soul of man, male and female created he them. Genesis 126 and 127. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created bara, the soul of man in his own image. In the image of God, he created bara, him, male and female. He, he created bara, them. Point four. In verse seven of chapter two, we find that God begins a description of the forming of the first, the body of man, and then the body of the woman. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. And the Lord God formed Yatsar, man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he had formed, Yatsai. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Point five. The question of how man came into existence has kindled debate for centuries. In the Genesis 1, 27 and 28, account, we have male and female created from absolutely nothing, and then several verses later, we see God forming from dirt a man, and then from the man's rib, a woman. Point six. Most certainly from the context, we can conclude the souls of the male and the female were created in the image of God from absolutely nothing. 
Later, the bodies of the man and the woman were formed from already existing materials. Point seven. At this point in the process, it would certainly seem, God ordered the two compatible souls created as one to separate and enter the two compatible bodies with the command to again become in time one. Genesis 2.24 Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Point 8 It would seem in these accounts we have a description of a right man and a right woman. First their souls are created, and then their bodies accompanied with the command to become one both in soul and body. Point nine. Let me give you a point or two from the doctrine of right man and right woman. Also RM-RW. 9.1. The term RM-RW refers to two souls prepared in eternity past, uniquely designed and perfectly created for one another. Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. 9.2. It is God's desire that the RM and RW come together in marriage. 9.3. There is no doubt there are those who have married someone other than their right woman or right man. If this has occurred, the answer is to take in the word and enjoy your mistake. 9.4. If you are married, as far as the scripture is concerned, you have your spouse. The job now is to acquire the skills to enjoy him or her. 9.5. Even if you think you have missed the boat, the Bible tells you to row a little faster. You can still reach the port of conjugal bliss. 9.6. The scripture has so much to say concerning RM and RW, we must therefore consider it a most important gift. Ephesians 5.22 through 5.25 Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of that body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let so the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The first time that was presented to me in a serious way, when I was about to marry Pastor Merritt and Tommy Ruth's daughter nearly 35 years ago, G.J., who we call him now, my grandkids, and I call him that as well now, he said, David, my daughter is to obey you and to be under you. And I was thinking, that's great. And he said, but let me tell you what your job is. Your job is to love her like Christ loved the church. You understand that? And I guarantee you this, if you would do that, You would never have the first crossword with her because she would worship the very ground you walked on. But knowing it then even and knowing it now, I have failed miserably. Uh, 
we as men are very, very flawed, and we can't do it. And I've told that to many young couples that have come into my office through the years. And I say, wife, submit to your husband. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. You know what it's saying? It's saying, wife doesn't even have to like you. Okay? Saying, she's just got to obey you. But you know what? If you loved her like Christ loved the church, she not only would like you, she would adore you and love you with every fiber in her being. So men, we need to do a better job uh, and get closer. We'll never get there, but we could get closer. Moving on. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. 9.7. God has blessed planet earth with woman, as she is the first teacher provided in grace to nurture mankind. 9.8. Right woman, man's first teacher. Think of the impact. 9.8.1 God created her soul as a perfect completer of man. 9.8.2 Man, without his RW, is only half a man unless he has the rare gift of celibacy. 9.9 God constructed the souls and bodies of the RM and RW as a perfect complements for one another. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took, Lakach, one of his ribs, Selah, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. 9.1.0 From Genesis 1.27, compared with both Genesis 2.24 and Matthew 22.30, I think we can safely conclude that the souls of right man, right woman were created in eternity past concurrently. 9.11 That which was created in eternity past was to become one in time, perfect souls housed in perfect bodies designed for one another. Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2.24 Therefore shall a man leave Azav, his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 9.1.2 Given the coternimous creation of the souls of the right man and the right woman in eternity past, the creation of their bodies designed to house the souls in time and the command to come together as one make for a logical conclusion. It would seem in eternity future the two will be one. 
given there is no gender distinction in heaven. Matthew 22, verse 30. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. 9.13. The gift of right man, right woman, is the oldest gift of all, and even one which the unbeliever can enjoy. 9.14. God provided a helpmate for man in order to complete him, be he unbeliever or believer. Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. 9.15. Even the unbeliever can enjoy the right man, right woman relationship. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 9. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun, all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Genesis 2.18 And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Point 10. Such then is what the Bible teaches concerning the beginning of mankind. Point 11. In contrast to what the Bible teaches, many scientists have promoted the hypothesis that life most likely started from molecules that mysteriously form DNA-like material and somehow developed into mankind. 11.1. They believe chemical elements spontaneously combine to produce a spark of life. Could life occur from a set of random circumstances with a mathematical probability of zero? 11.2. The reason many objective scientists tell us the probability of that event occurring is zero is because such would require a new law of thermodynamics thus very unscientific. Point 12. With such uncertainty emanating from the scientific hierarchy of our society, what should you believe? Point 13. The complexity and harmony of nature, the incredible precision and sophistication of the human mind and body demand a creator and designer. Point 14. Design and order reveal a first cause for life, an intelligence and will behind the phenomenal process of the creation of all forms of biological life. Point 15. Summary. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 contain four Hebrew verbs that depict God's activity of creating the original human life. 15.1. Bara means to create to make something from nothing. Bara is found in three verses of Genesis. 15.2 Each usage reflects an essential creative act of God, a divine act where God is seen creating inorganic matter from nothing. 15.2.1 He created out of nothing 
the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 15.2.2. He created animal life from nothing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, with the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. 15.2.3 He created the first two human souls from nothing. Genesis 1.27 And God created bara, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created bara, him, male and female. He created bara, them. 15.2.4 Although Adam's soul was created from nothing, his body was yatsar, formed from dust, dirt having earlier been created. Genesis 1, verse 9 and 10. And then on day three, God said, Let the water under the sky fall to earth, and let the various land masses rise up and appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called oceans, seas, rivers, streams, etc. And God saw that it was good. 15.2.5 This second verb found in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 refers to the divine formation of the male body as a biologically living organism. 15.3 Only Adam and Eve were supernaturally created as adults by God. All subsequent human beings are reproduced by natural means. Point 16 now let's return to our study of chapter 3. We will first review the doctrine of creation. Point 1. Let's begin by reading what Genesis has to say about the creation and restoration. Genesis 1, verse 1 through Genesis 2, chapter 7. Hold on to your hat. Here we go. It's the NIV. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, 
and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seeds, according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and of all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food 
and so it was. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives. And the man became a living being. 1.1. God is the creator of all things. 1.2. From the outset in the book of Genesis, the focus of the creation revelation turns upon the Almighty. 1.3. God is the beginning, the cause, and the source of all that is. 1.4. In the creation and later the restoration, God brought into being all that fits into his plan for the ages. 1.5. God miraculously spoke into existence all physical matter necessary for his purposes of creation and restoration. 1.5.1 With the phrase, in the beginning, Barasheth, Moses, under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, takes the reader back before time into the unfathomable reaches of eternity. He seeks to suggest the state of things before time was. 1.5.2 Moses, under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, gives no hint of a tangible date for this beginning. 1.5.3 The creation account reaches back into a space before there was a dating of events. 1.5.4 The sublime sovereignty of the revelation is based on this one mighty assertion God did it. 1.5.5. Nothing more astounding could be declared. In the beginning, Elohim created out of absolutely nothing planet Earth and all surrounding celestials, both seen and unseen, known and unknown. 1.5.6. El is the usual word for God in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Arabic. 1.5.7. All three languages, it is actually plural in form, but it is used with verbs in the singular. 1.5.8. Elohim is united all the powers of eternity and infinity, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. 1.5.9. Created, bara in the Hebrew, is a verb used exclusively for an act of God. 1.5.1 1. 
Man cannot reach up to the powers inherent in this word, for it describes a miracle whereby undefined perfection was created from absolutely nothing. 1.5.11 By the sovereign, originative power of God, something absolutely new was first brought into being, only to be scarred and then restored. Genesis 1, verse 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. Now the earth was Hayah, formless, Tohu, and empty, Bohu, darkness was over the surface of the deep. Isaiah 45.18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it, not in vain, Tohu, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. 1 John 1, 1 through 1, 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1.5.12 The scriptures direct our attention toward a tiny little planet called Earth and the many created beings that would ultimately live upon it. 1.5.13 In this phrase, in the beginning God created, is included the completed universe as it was known or might come to be known. 1.5.14 we believe our galaxy contains more than 100 billion stars and that our sun is 150 trillion miles from the center of our galaxy. 1.5.15 Our galaxy is one of a small cluster of 19 galaxies, the nearest of which is 30 million light years from us, which is 150 million trillion miles. 1.5.16 1 
Research scientists, by using powerful telescopes, have discovered more than a billion galaxies, and as better telescopes are constructed, that number grows daily. 1.5.17 It has been estimated that the number of stars in these galaxies numbers close to 100 quintillion. It's a bunch. 1.5.18 The candle power of one of the galaxies is equal to that of 400 million suns. 1.5.19 As man looks on this vast creation and compares what he sees with the inspired writer's account of its origin, objective minds cannot help but be filled with awe, reverence, respect, dread, and wonder. 1.6. Right now most, and that includes many avid agnostics, agree the Big Bang Theory is the best guess as to how the universe began. Let's note how similar it is to creation by fiat. When a scientist writes about God, his colleagues assume he is over the hill or going bonkers. Ben Stein, in his movie Expelled, provides details of how such scientists are ostracized in the scientific community and thus the title of the movie. 1.6.2 I am fascinated by certain strange developments going on in astronomy. The essence of these developments is that the universe had a sharply defined beginning, i.e., it began at a certain moment in time. Was the creative agent one of the forces of physics, or was it, as the Old Testament says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth? 1.6.3 The essential elements of what is now called the Big Bang Theory are similar to what we find in Genesis. According to the Big Bang Theory, everything began suddenly, with a great flash and a release of energy. 1.6.4 Many scientists are unhappy that the world apparently began in this way. Until recently, most were more comfortable with the steady-state theory of development because it was consistent with evolution. The best science now concludes there was a sudden beginning to our grand universe. 1.6.5 The Big Bang Theory was first postulated in 1912 at the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, where several galaxies were observed to be moving away from planet Earth at speeds of millions of miles an hour. The new findings were not reported until 1914 at a scientific meeting. 1.6.6 From these empirical observations, Dr. Edwin Hubble developed a new scenario for all beginnings. It has since become the Big Bang Theory. Dr. Albert Einstein at first was appalled because such theorizing did not agree with his mathematics, ergo he rejected the new empiricalism. In fact, he would write, This circumstance of an expanding universe irritates me. 1.6.7 He later, however, was convinced of the correctness of the theory after meeting with Dr. Hubble. 1.6.8 The theory suffered from the age-old problem. 
from where came the original spark of energy which caused that first explosion. Thus, the natural question. Since we now have a beginning, what came before the beginning? 1.6.9 Some of the bolder have asked, who was the prime mover? And was there some intelligent design? Theologians are generally happy with the new theory, but most astronomers are very upset. 1.6.10 Philip Morrison, an astronomer of great note, said on BBC, I would like to reject the Big Bang Theory, but I must accept the facts. As a scientist who has always lived his life by tracing cause and effect, and who has lived his life in the power of reason, this story ends like a bad dream. At the end of the nightmare, I see several of us scientists climbing the mountain of ignorance as we reach the last pinnacle. Even as we claw our way over the last barrier, there I find thousands of grinning theologians who have been sitting there waiting for us for 2,000 years. 1.6.11 For an extensive analysis and comparison of evolution and creation by fiat, see my Doctrine of Evolution. And that will conclude Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview, number 5a. We will pick up with point 1.7 in the next lesson, and I look forward to seeing you there. As always, Appreciate you listening, and remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So long.